What's going on, everyone? Jared Sandler here with you, and I am really excited to share episode 33 of the Justice Sec Conversation. And this episode is with San Diego Padres manager Jace Tingler. And we'll, we'll get to Jace in a second. First of all, just want to say thank you for clicking on the link and, and getting this far. Really appreciate it if you would consider subscribing to this channel. I try to put out all sorts of different content, uh, interviews, both serious and, and funny and a little bit of both, and commentaries and uh, roundtables, and, and would really appreciate it if you would consider uh, subscribing to this channel and, and, and sharing it with your friends. It's free. It's uh, it's easy. It, it doesn't uh, take much time. You just click a button, and it's not going to spam the crap out of you. I promise you that. All right. Anyway, Jace Tingler is, is a friend of mine and someone I've gotten to know uh, over the past few years during his time with the Rangers organization. Uh, Jace is not uh, incredibly big in stature, but uh, when I first was around Jace, he was always like, focused and serious and had, you know, the, the Oakley baseball sunglasses on. And I was kind of intimidated by him, but I kept hearing, you got to meet Jace. You got to talk to Jace. And I finally, I mean, I'm 25 years old or whatever, but I was a little like timid. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to Jason within seconds, he's smiling and, and you realize what a good person he is. Uh, his journey, his story is so interesting coming more or less from a farm, uh, you know, an exceptional two-sport athlete in high school, a candidate for McDonald's All-American on the basketball side, and, you know, gets uh, goes to college for baseball and, and plays professionally for a little bit, and then his journey into coaching, I mean, he, he climbed the ladder. He hit every rung, including some time in the front office, and now is getting his first crack at managing a Major League Baseball team. We talk about... Uh, his childhood, the journey, what he's learned, some of his coaching philosophies. Uh, and I'm really excited for Jace to to be a major league manager. And Rangers fans, if you're looking for a National League team to support, you may as well support the Padres with A.J. Preller as the GM and, and Jace Tingler as the manager. Anyway, here we go. Episode 33 of the Just a Set Conversation is with my friend Jace Tingler. All right, Jace. So the first thing that I like to ask people, and it's open-ended, take it in whatever direction you'd like. But when you think back to your childhood, your experiences, interests, influences, hobbies, whatever, uh, there's there's not a specific way you need to answer this. But when you think back to your childhood, what are the things that stand out to you? Uh, good times, first of all. You know, coming from you know, both, both my parents were together. They were teachers. Uh, they were coaches at the high school level. Um, so since they were teachers, I got, they got, uh, the summers off and, um, and we did a lot of, uh, baseball playing in the winter. We did basketball and, and, uh, we were a pretty active family. So it was just, um, a lot of good times when I think back, you know, I think about, you know, all the, the teammates and friends that I've made and, um, you know, through those days and traveling around uh, the United States, going to different tournaments and, and doing that with my family. So it was a, a very positive experience. Okay. So you, you come from an athletic family, right? Like both your, your parents, uh, you know, involved in sports in, in a number of ways. I, so I guess, you know, I always like to know what led people to sports. So I guess for you, I imagine that's just sort of a part of the, the Tingler family. 
Yeah, I think that's safe. You know, when I started to get, I don't know, like in my teens and and things like that, uh, I think like my parents sent me down and said, you know, you can do, you know, two things. You can get a job, um, you know, and start working. Or if you want to, you know, work at, you know, basketball, baseball, like we'll support you, you know, in that way. And and so I'd had, you know, a couple jobs, mainly referee and umpire and stuff like that. I was like, uh, I, I think I'd rather just play, man. Then, you know, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship at the University of Missouri and stayed there four years and ended up getting drafted and going into pro ball. So um, I was very fortunate. Both your parents were coaches, right? Yeah, yeah. Basketball, my mom, uh, 30, 31 years, high school basketball coach. And then uh, my dad, basketball, softball, and then they both did uh, track as well. And from an athletic standpoint, what I mean, what, was your mom a really good basketball player, or, or athletically, what were their like? What, what what's their resume? I guess they they both played college basketball, and my mom played college basketball and softball. Okay, and so you know, being honest, just obviously, I didn't see him play, but going back and looking at their accomplishments, their resumes, or whatever, my mom was a better athlete. <laughs> Did, will your would your dad admit that? 100% okay. 100% so I grew up not with the same athletic ability or, or resume that you did but I, I grew up the son of a coach uh, my, my dad was a coach and I know there are certain things that I understood because you know it, just through his experiences that maybe benefited me whether it's you know just how to 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 talk to coaches and, and handle issues or just whatever. I, I'm curious, what were some of the takeaways that maybe benefited you being the son of not just one, but two coaches as you were trying to make your way athletically? Oh, I, I think a lot of things. I think, you know, the, the way that they worked, I, I definitely took away work ethic, the way they prepared and were organized. And then probably more importantly, the way they um, interacted you know, dealt with their athletes, the parents, things like that. And so the way they communicated, um, I think like those would be some of the takeaways. Um, and then certainly just, just being around all the time, you know, um, having access to a gym, why a practice is going on, things like that. Uh, and then, it, I mean, I, I know that, you know, the time periods are way different and, and the levels at which they're coaching and, and you're now coaching and, and managing are different, but is there anything that if you were to really break down your your habits or style as a coach beyond just general work ethic, where you could say, yeah, like that that reminds me of of your mom or that reminds me of your dad. Yeah, I, I would say both. I'd say um, you know they they both worked incredibly hard, but I remember being like at a young age, um, getting up, um, you know, to go to the bathroom late at night. Maybe it was one a.m., two a.m., or whatever, and mom would be. You know, back then it was VCRs, and maybe the, the the game that they played that night, she would be hitting the pause button, writing down notes, you know, hitting play, studying film, things like that. So I definitely took away, you know, uh, the, the way to prepare, the work ethic, and, and, and those type of things. But I clearly remember that, like, at a young age, and that's just the way it was around the house, especially during basketball season. Did you say VCR? VCR, yes. Sorry, what yeah. what are what are those again? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, now, did you grow up on a farm, Jace, or is that just? I, I know now you your home in in Missouri is, is you know you're living the farm life, but did you grow up on a farm? 
No, um, I grew up on, you know, three acres. Um, both, uh, my grandparents, uh, were farmers. And so, you know, going up to grandma and grandpa's, which was, you know, 45 minute drive or an hour away, um, that, that was the farmland. And obviously that's where my parents grew up. Okay. So, you know, I think when I think of work ethic, not that everyone who uh, grows up on a farm or, or has those sorts of responsibilities. You know, I guess not everyone has a great work ethic, but it just seems like that's not the type of lifestyle you you go through if you if you don't know how to bust your tail. Uh, and so I'm just curious, like from that standpoint, not the athletic side, but the the farming side and, and grandparents and stuff. What were some of your memories on the farm and you know chores and uh, things that you did and, and just takeaways from those experiences? Yeah. Um, you know, definitely again, you know, the, the work ethic, you know, grandpa getting up early, um, you know, and, and, and grandma and grandpa were always at the, the, the games that they could be, he couldn't travel. Um, you know, when we would go play tournaments and things like that in the summer, because, you know, he had to feed the hogs, the cattle, soybeans, corn, all that. So, you know, just seeing him being around him, um, you know, just every day, you know, get up and, and, and do his job. And it was, you know, from when the sun came up to the sun, sun came down. And, you know, the, the, those are some of the, the good memories I have, obviously, you know, going up, being young, driving the tractor for the first time, things like that. Were there any chores that like, Hey, if you're going to go see grandma and grandpa, you got to do this. And like, maybe you didn't necessarily love those particular chores or did you not ever really have to do, uh, do any of that? No, it was never mandatory. It was more, you know, it was more fun. It was, you know, going with grandpa and riding on the tractor and feeding the hogs and doing things like that. And, you know, when you're young, those are, it's just such a, you know, fun time jumping on the the hay bales and things like that. So it it, it was all fun. All right. So back to your athletic career growing up, uh, you were uh, a a really good basketball player. Obviously baseball was a, 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 a path that you ended up pursuing, but you know, on the basketball side, McDonald's all American nominee, uh, was it tough for you to pursue baseball? What do you remember about that decision to, to go the baseball route ultimately and, and not the basketball route? You know, I, I end up getting more bigger like offers in baseball, you know, around my junior year, I was getting some small, smaller offers, some smaller division one schools started to look at me in basketball. Um, but at that time, um, you know, when we were 15, 16, I started to get noticed in baseball and, you know, we ended up picking up, uh, we, we had a really good summer team and that's where, at least back then, that's when all the, the recruiting was, was really done. And for me being from a small school, I played on a, on a travel team in the city and, uh, we had some really good players. And then we were 15, maybe 16, uh, we had the shortstop move in and all of a sudden all these scouts are coming to watch him. And I was more of like a product of watching uh, him. And then our catcher was a big time player as well. He ended up going to Texas A&M. The shortstop was Albert Pujols. And so <laughs> all these scouts are coming in to watch Albert. And, you know, meanwhile, I was hitting either lead off or second. And, you know, because they're watching Albert, you know, maybe a scout only got one game of, of watching. Well, they kept coming and watching Albert and some of these other guys. So I think I was just a, a product of just getting seen a lot, um, you know, because of some of the big names around. What do you remember about Albert Pujols back then? Um, a lot of the traits that he has today, unbelievable work ethic, super competitive, 
Um, and, and then obviously, you know, he was a shortstop then. He, he, he was a phenomenal athlete. Then we would play basketball. And I think, I, I think a lot of people missed how good of an athlete he was. Obviously, now he's older and having you know, knee and foot issues. He doesn't move the same way. He's an unbelievable point guard when we'd go play basketball. Great body control, good passer, very good defender, could get to the rim. He could do a lot of things. Wow. I, you know, that's not something I've really ever heard about him. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think back then, you know, um, you know, the scouts were, you know, probably watching more like on the baseball field. And, um, you know, they, they probably didn't watch him play a lot of high school basketball, um, you know, which is probably why, you know, if you, you dug in a little bit deeper and saw what type of athlete he was and how he can move on the basketball court, the body control, the feel, um, he probably would have been uh, uh, a little bit better pick than I, I believe it was the 13th round back then. So just curious, like I, I remember the, the, the player who I grew up either playing with or against who is, you know, now a, a star in baseball is Clayton Kershaw. Uh, he was a year older than me and we used to take hitting lessons in next to one another at Highland park. Uh, not that I lived there, but that, you know, that's where he lived and went to school. Uh, and then, you know, every once in a while I'd have to stand in the box because after his hitting lesson with a guy named Ricky Joe, he'd want to throw a little bit. And I remember like this Clayton Kershaw guy, like he's supposed to be really good. And then he wins, you know, high school player of the year or whatever. But like, I, I didn't, you know, beyond just that, it wasn't like, I was like, Oh my gosh, like this guy is going to be an absolute stud. Did you like, when you were with Albert, then were you like, wow, this guy, maybe not like one of the best right-handed hitters of all time. Cause that's, you know, right. that's tough to know. But like, were you like, this guy's a major leaguer and, and he's not like, he's gonna, he can be a good major leaguer. We knew he was, you know, like different, you know, he could just do things. And of course we were using metal bats then he had an air attack. And I remember him being like out on his front foot and still hitting a line drive off the wall. And then, you know, playing shortstop and playing defense and doing all that. I remember like how good he was. And then I was a little bit, you know, like you, you don't know when you're 16, 17, 18, you just, you just don't know, you know, he's really good. I remember being like, dang, if this guy's only a 13th rounder, and this is the best guy like I've ever seen. I was like, honestly, like, I don't think I have any chance. <laughs> All right. So you go to Missouri. Is there anything about that experience, your time at Missouri that stands out to you that like, when you look back, you're like, man, that was really pivotal because I learned this or, or, you know, this particular person, you know, in Columbia was, was so helpful for me. Yeah, I had a lot of people that, you know, helped. Certainly Coach Jameson, who was the head coach there. Um, and then being around, you know, players like, you know, Ryan Stiegel, Ian Kinsler, guys like that. I think the most important thing I took away, you know, from, from, from the college days, though, is just, you know, kind of finding out who I was and, like, what I can and can't do. Um, you know, first time, like, living, you know, um, um, outside of, like, my home and, and you're on your own. So, to me, it was just more of a time finding out, you know, what, what – what I could do, you know, physically, mentally, all those things. And, and certainly getting pushed in the weight room and, and getting pushed on the field. And I was lucky enough, you know, to play like my freshman year. And, um, you know, um, I, I did all right. And I remember that um, I remember seeing guys that maybe have good freshman years, good sophomore years, 
you know, then you, you'd kind of watch them either their junior or senior years. Um, and they're the same player. And I think I was always kind of driven to be a little bit better each and every year. So you, you get drafted by the Blue Jays organization, uh, yep. 10th round in, in 2003. At that point, are you thinking, all right, this is the next step in, in a long major league career? Like, where were you mentally, you know, from a playing standpoint as far as where you were and, and what you thought was ahead of you? Well, I, I got into pro ball and I expected to do really well and I just did okay. And I noticed there were a lot of guys like around, you know, levels above guys that I was playing with levels below that were super, super talented. Um, and so I really had, had a goal. I wanted to get to double A. I was always told that, you know, double A is kind of the cutoff of if you could play in the big leagues like or not. And, you know, right once I got in, um, I knew I wanted to get into coaching. Um, I got some advice from some people and, and I had some job offers to, to get into coaching and, you know, probably the, the best advice they gave me was play as long as you can. And the, the coaching's always going to be there. And so I did, I played, you know, four years, whatever it was. And then, uh, I was lucky enough to get a, get a coaching job right when I was done. All right. So you get taken by the Rangers in the, the, the minor league version of the Rule 5 draft in 05. And and I guess your your current boss, A.J. Preller, who was with the Rangers in a front office capacity, was uh, instrumental in, in, in that selection. Uh, and, you know, just with his responsibilities at the time, what do you remember about that process? And, and maybe, like, wh- when was the first time you met A.J.? What, what are your initial memories of A.J.? You know, I, I, I didn't really meet AJ until, you know, I had I had uh, been thinking about taking a coaching job, you know, with, with the Rangers. So um, I, I had previously talked to Scott Service, who was the farm director at the time, and he said, hey, we, you know, we may have a coaching job for you. Hang tight. You know, so I waited a month or so, and then uh, he came back and said, we've got something for you. It's a little bit different. Um, but would you have interest? And that was to coach in the Dominican Republic. And at the time, the Rangers had just, you know, had an academy uh, new down in, in the Dominican. Um, it was in uh, San Pedro, and they wanted to know if I'd go down there and if I'd be interested in. So I went down there. I believe the first trip was like two weeks. I went to work, and then they sent me home for a week or two, um, basically so I could reflect on if this is what I want to do. Um, so I went home, you know, immediately I knew that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, AJ was in charge of, uh, the international program at the time. So he was, you know, signing, you know, young Latin players and and we were getting them into the program and, uh, you know, that they were playing games and, you know, we're hopeful to get some of the kids to the States. And, and, and that's what I did. That's what I ended up doing for, uh, three years down there. So when you, oh, actually, I need to ask you this. I, I remember reading, I think it was like Jamie Newberg that wrote this, and and I've never actually asked you. Do, some people, and maybe it was Jamie that said that whether it was, you know, he had heard or, or whatever, that the Rangers got you because they saw a future coach in you. Like, they acquired you as a player because they wanted to, you know, to have you in their, you know, in their grasp for coaching. Was that ever communicated? Is there is there truth to that, or is that just kind of a, uh, a myth, I guess, that's out there about the time, like when the Rangers acquired you. I, I I'd never like heard that. Like I never had like any discussion on that. Um, all I know is, you know, when I, 
what I was told is, you know, when I was drafted over there was I think they looked at, you know, maybe my strike zone discipline. Um, I was always a guy that really never struck out. You know, I think, you know, in the, in the seasons I would go 75 walks to 25 strikeouts, something like that. So I think that's why they, they initially drafted me. It, just curious in this time now where, and I, I don't recall specifically then like how walks were valued. Uh, obviously, the, you know, they were valued by the Rangers. So that was a big reason why, but now it's like, you know, walks are, are huge and, and strike out to walk numbers. Well, just a, as a hitter, what was, what enabled you to have such a, a strong grasp of the strike zone? What were some of the drills or, or ways you would improve, uh, you know, to have those types of numbers? Well, in all the teams I ever played on, my, you know, I had a lot of clarity in what my goal was. And, and the, you know, the coaches, they told me to set the table, get on base. And so I think I've been blessed with really good hand-eye coordination. I never really had a problem hitting the ball. My problem was getting enough on the ball once it was hit, um, especially as you started moving up the levels. Um, and so, you know, I always saw the ball very well. I never had a problem really hitting the ball. I never had a problem, uh, you know, hitting the ball the other way or using all parts of the field. So that part came to me, you know, fairly easy. I didn't really recognize it, you know, probably until, you know, you get out of the game. Um, I just, I I just really never struck out. You know, I think, you know, I played four years of like high school ball. You know, I think I struck out two or three times, you know, through that entire career. I didn't strike out a lot in college and I didn't strike out a lot, you know, in the minor league. So, I would say more than anything, it's probably just, you know, hand-eye uh, coordination and, and, you know, I could see the ball really well. My problem was I couldn't do anything after I saw it. <laughs> um, all right. So when you look at your, your coaching journey and how you got to where you are, it is a very blue-collar approach. You talked about starting as a coach in the Dominican and, and you've held, gosh, it seems like just about every role, even even some time in the front office, which we'll get to. Uh, but you know, and, and, and everyone's journey is different. Some, some guys never spend a day coaching in the minor leagues and, you know, they end up as managers. We've even recently seen, uh, you know, like Aaron Boone go from a broadcaster to, to being a manager without, you know, any ma- minor league coaching there. There are all sorts of different journeys. Yours, I think is, is very representative of who you are, the, the, the hard work and the things that are important to you. And so when you reflect on on climbing that ladder and really going rung to rung what are the things now that uh you think about and 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 the things that maybe are or important or or meaningful to you when you reflect on on that journey wow uh that that that's a tough question it's been you know um it's been whatever it's been 15 16 years I'd say like the, the, the most valuable thing I, I, I clearly remember are the three years I spent down in the Dominican Republic, um, you know, because we were dealing with 15, 16 year old, uh, 17 year old Dominicans, Venezuelans. And so I immediately had to brush up on the Spanish. You know, you're trying to do everything in your second language, which uh, looking back, that I, I think that was incredibly valuable. But also the, there, there was a big period of like trial and error. You know, down there, you're you're literally on an island. Uh, you have a baseball complex and, and and a lot of players, and so you tried things. You tried things that worked. You tried things that didn't work. You probably learned more from the things that didn't work. Okay, you know, like don't do that. Um, you know, and then you know, uh, you know, I knew outfield defense. I knew hitting. I knew base running. And then all of a sudden, you're you're in charge of 
you know, the entire uh, program and the teams down there. So I didn't know anything about pitching. I didn't know anything about catching. The things that go on in the weight room, the training room, uh, infield defense. And so, you know, being able to pick guys in the organization's brains, being able to talk to rovers, being able to reach out to other coaches. Hey, how do you do this? How do you, you know, how, how do you get the, the shortstop used his backhand? What are some drills? And so just having a ton of resources and then with a lot of trial and error, um, I think like those three years down there were, were, were very critical. All right. Uh, so you, you end up working your way into a role with the, with the big league team. And that's when we first met, uh, what was that first experience like? Uh, you know, and I, I don't know at that time, actually, let me ask you this. When you were going through the, the coaching ladder, was your goal to be a big league manager or were you not clear yet on necessarily what you ultimately wanted to do within the coaching circles? No, I honestly, like I never had a goal to like get to the big leagues. Um, it was just, I, I just really enjoyed, you know, coaching. I enjoyed players. I enjoyed, you know, the people and, and, and I was, you know, blessed to, you know, have a job in baseball. And so, you know, I was lucky enough, John Daniels and the team over there, you know, they, they kept, you know, challenging me with, you know, uh, you know, different jobs and I enjoyed and loved, you know, every minute of it. Um, and so when I got to the big leagues in 2015, it was, I mean, it was awesome. Obviously Jeff Bannister and, um, you know, brought me on and, and, uh, but, you know, more importantly, I think like, you know, some of the relationships you build, um, but you know, the, the, the guys were awesome. I mean, you know, being around watching Adrian Beltre work and, and Prince Fielder and Chu and some of those guys, um, you know, being able to take it in and then hopefully try to add some value to, uh, you know, to the, to those guys and the team over there. So, um, you know, the, the big league job, uh, you know, the job in 15, 16, you know, I just absolutely loved. All right. So then you go to the front office, uh, and you, you get a little taste of, of that. What led to that move and, and what did you learn from that experience? I learned a lot of things, you know, you know, what led to it? I think, you know, I, I, I think that year in, in, in 16, at, at some point, you know, Thad Levine had, had taken the uh, uh, general managing job with, you know, Minnesota. And, and you know, after we lost to uh, the Blue Jays that year in, in, in 16, you know, I was maybe home, I don't know, four or five days, maybe it was a week, I don't know. And, you know, J.D. kind of, uh, you know, reached out and asked if I had, you know, any interest in it. And, and so, you know, we kind of, you know, sat and thought about it and, you know, he wanted me to kind of oversee the, the, the minor leagues and, and help out with some other things. But I think, you know, you, you, you learn a lot, you know, just, just being able to, you know, have a seat at the table and listen to, to what goes on. And I certainly spent a lot of time with the big leagues. I spent a lot of time um, with the minor leagues that year. And, and that's where I had some time to start diving into more like analytics. And I start diving into a little bit of some of the, the technology uh, that's out there. And so, you know, you look back like over the, those two years, I certainly enjoyed being on the field um, a lot more. And I knew that deep down in my heart, but um, there, there's a lot of things that I learned, um, you know, through those two years that, that, that I appreciate and carry with me today. How many suits did you have to purchase when you got that job? 
<laughs> I, I had a couple suits from being in the uh, the big leagues, you know, in the flights and stuff. So I, I, I didn't purchase any. Okay, good. Uh, one of the <laughs> things that, you know, I think stands out to you for me uh, is your hunger to learn. And I just think, right, I think that's always important. I don't think there's really ever a time when that's that's not valuable. But with the rapid rate at which this game is evolving it just seems like it's it's even more important now than ever uh there are a lot of people a lot of really smart successful people who they have a stubbornness that maybe doesn't give them that same openness to to learn when things change what who influenced you or or how is it that you've been so willing and and open to to learn, and then the other side of that is, what is your process to learn, and 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 how do you find that you are able to to not just familiarize yourself, but really understand, uh, you know, new information, technology, stuff like that. Um, we we had a saying over there. I think it came from JD. You know that. I can't remember if it was in maybe 16 or something like that. And, you know, the, the title of, of, of what he was talking about was Adapt or Die. And, you know, he was right with, with, with all the technology, with the analytics. All this stuff was coming on, and it came quick. And, you know, I think, I, I think you know, you, you have to see it if you have the eye, you, the, the eye for it. It's like all these sports are rapidly changing, and what – players are doing now is different than what they were doing 10 and 20, 30 years ago. And, and you can turn on the MLB channel and watch an older game, you know, to, and then compare it to today's game. And it's just guys are bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, you, you look at the major league game now and, and the velocity that these pitchers are throwing at is at an all time high. I mean, we watch NFL games and we're watching guys like Patrick Mahomes throw the ball 60, 70 yards across his body and doing things. And, and, and you watch golf and the way that the, the distance these guys are hitting the ball. I think all these sports are evolving. And, and, you know, whether it's UFC from where the fighters were 10 years ago to where they are today, you know, just I think with all the technology, the training, the information, um, that guys continue to get better and better. And so, you know, certainly in, in baseball, I've seen the game change. Uh, you, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, these pitchers are thrown at an all-time, you know, power premium. And then, you know, the size of these position players and the number of home runs they're hitting and the, the speed that they can run and the way they defend, um, you know, I think, I, I think the game's evolving. All right, so you go back to the dugout and – then after the 20, I got to get my dates right after the 2018 season. What, what year is this? This is 2020, right? Uh, 2020. Yeah. So is it after the 2018 season, you are uh, mentioned as a candidate for, you know, various managerial openings. And I guess, is it fair to say that was the first uh, off season in which you, you kind of pursued those openings? I, I didn't really pursue them, but I, I, it, it was definitely the first time um, that I'd been interviewed. Okay, yes. You know, in that setting. So, yeah. Sure, yeah. Let, let me, I guess, reframe. Not that you were actively looking to leave, but it, it was the first time that maybe your your candidacy, candidacy was taken to the next level. Uh, what did you learn? You, you didn't come away with a job that off offseason, uh, but what did you learn about going through that process? 
Um, well, you reflect on, and I was fortunate enough to, to interview with Texans. So, you know, I knew the system, I knew the people, and I knew the players very well. So that was a, a, a very easy um, discussion as far as it was like on the, on the preparation and just to, to go in and be yourself. But I think it helps, um, you know, for later down the line when you go to another interview and another interview, I, I just felt maybe more and more comfortable after, after you know, doing it. Well, how would you describe, you already touched on John Daniels. Uh, you know, I believe he's one of your, I guess, influences in some way. Who, who are the people in this a more recent part of your career who you've learned from and who have been influential in your uh, development and, and ability to do this and do that and stuff like that? I mean, honestly, there, there, there's such a long handful. I go through, you know, a long list, but certainly, you know, John Daniels, AJ Prowler, um, Jose Vasquez and, and, and Louis Ortiz, and I'm leaving guys off. Um, but just like over the years of watching guys work and, and asking questions and, and, you know, these coaches and people that are, that are truly um, experts in their area and be able to pick their brain and to be able to, to watch them make adjustments with players and, and add value to, to players. I just think the, the overall, you know, body of the, the, the good people that I've been around, I've been able to steal some of that you know, over the years. And that's been a real blessing. All right. So this most recent off season, you get hired by the Padres. And in order to go through that process, you have to interview with one of your closest friends, AJ Preller. Uh, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people maybe see that as a, a positive. Well, you know, I got a great shot. I, I know the guy, but I, I think sometimes that's also a challenge because, uh, you know, you got to be able to separate that stuff. What was the process like for you not just interviewing with the Padres, but interviewing with the Padres, knowing that you had a good friend on the other side of that wall who, you know, had your back, but also had to make, uh, you know, the right decision for his job and in his organization. You know, it was, it, it was such a, I don't want to say a weird time, but it, it was a challenging time because I was in uh, Santo Domingo managing Escojito at the time of everything. So, you know, flying from, you know, Escojito, Santo Domingo to, to San Diego and, and, and doing the interview and, you know, the, you know, meeting with a long day of, uh, of interviews and, you know, honestly, like Edge and I hadn't really stayed in touch, you know, over the, the, the last four or five years, you know, he was on doing the Padre deal. I was invested in, in, in the Rangers. We may have a casual conversation here or there, but it was nothing like, you know, when we had worked you know, six, seven, eight years, you know, prior. So I didn't really know how it was going to go. And to go through the interview process, I probably met with 20 people in the organization. I think the, the meeting maybe started at 9 a.m. And, you know, you would go an hour and a half or two hour windows with different groups. And so I probably met with 20 people. I didn't see AJ until later that night for dinner, probably around like eight o'clock at night. And so you don't know how it's going to go. You know, you hadn't really seen them in a long time. You hadn't really connected in a long time. What was good is like getting through that day and then, you know, sitting down, grabbing dinner and he's asking questions. And, you know, I knew a couple minutes into it, it was like, okay, like, you know, the, the chemistry for, for me and him is it, it's the same as it was seven, eight years ago. And I certainly didn't view myself 
as the favorite. In fact, I, I, I would probably view myself like as, as the long shot, um, you know, go, going into that. Um, and I'm just thankful at the end of the day, you know, that, that, uh, that, that I was fortunate, fortunate enough to be, um, you know, chosen to manage the team. All right. What was that moment like when you, you found out, how did you find out and, and what do you remember about that, that special moment? Wow. Um, I remember managing, uh, in Escojito and, and literally, you know, you're, you're on an Island, um, and you know, I, I hadn't had any information. And of course my parents, my wife, they're calling. Have you heard anything? We knew we were, you know, one of the finalists. I didn't know if it was one of four finalists. I didn't know if it was one of two. And so literally you're not hearing anything. I was so fortunate enough to be, you know, fully kind of entrenched with the Escojito team um, that that really probably helped take my mind off a lot of things. How I got the word, um, we were playing a game. And, uh, it was one of those games. It was about the fourth inning and, um, just one of those games where nothing was going our way. We hit the ball hard a couple times, lined out. The other team had a lead on us. They'd had a couple bloopers fall in. And I don't know why I was in the dugout in between innings and I walked up to the clubhouse. I think I went to get a coffee. I really don't know. And just maybe just yell, cuss, get some frustration out, not in front of the players. And all of a sudden, I see this guy named Riley Westman, who works for the Padres, used to work for the Rangers. And he's a family friend of ours, and he's holding the phone in his hand in the clubhouse, and he's, like, shaking. And my immediate reaction, like, I thought something, like, maybe there had been a car wreck, something, something bad had gone home. And he just stuck the phone in my ear, and it was AJ on the other line. He said, you know, hey, I, I normally wouldn't bother you in the middle of a game, uh, but I need to know if you'll accept uh, the, the job to be the San Diego Padres manager. And uh, I don't really know what happened from there. I think I fell to my knees, maybe blacked out, uh, maybe had a minute or two. I was probably crying. And then I went back out and managed uh, the, the rest of the game. Um, and then after the game, I obviously, we, we had to keep it, you know, kind of on the um, – because the media – had didn't know yet. Um, so, you know, I told just my parents and my wife and that was it. And the next day I was on a flight going to San Diego. Now, you know, I know AJ's not the, uh, the most, I don't know if emotional is the right word. Certainly not sentimental. I don't think so. Was that, uh, like when he said, will you accept the job? Was it just like totally deadpan or was there like some, uh, some life in there? How, how did he actually present that offer? Cause I imagine his shirt was definitely untucked. Uh, you know, his, his hair may or may not have been done probably going on like one hour sleep. You know, honestly, like when I heard those words, I kind of blacked out and I don't really know like what, what, what happened after that. Honestly, I remember falling to my knees and, and, uh, you know, Riley giving me like a huge hug. Um, and you know, it was a, it was a really quick moment because we had, we had a game going on. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that, that was it. It was, you know, it, it, it happened so quick and it was shocking and, and, um, but, but it was definitely a special moment. I remember as well, you know, uh, calling my wife afterwards and, you know, my parents and waking my parents up, um, that, that was a very special time. You know, you mentioned 
earlier a few minutes ago that you had, uh, you know, your parents and family were like bugging you, you know, do you have the job? You forgot there was also a uh, pre and post game show host who was probably blowing you up, just wondering whether or not you had gotten the job super excited for, uh, for the possibility. So hopefully that, uh, you know, you can build that pre and post game show host for whatever, uh, whatever (laughs) data plan, uh, you know, he used up just, uh, trying to, trying to figure out whether his, his buddy had gotten the job. So, uh, you can send it, it, it in crazy the, the, the people that would reach out and literally like, you know, as you go through the process, you don't know anything, you know? And so it was, it was disappointing to let, you know, you and other people, like, I literally don't know anything. So <laughs> I just like the fact out. that you're in the, in the running. I thought that was really cool. Uh, <laughs> all right. So now you've got, you've got a team, you've got, you know, you've already had this moment and maybe there'll be another one with, uh, you know, what's, what's gone on, but you, you had your first spring training where you're addressing the club and, and you kind of lay the foundation for what's important to you. So what are the core principles, the non-negotiables for Jace Tingler, the manager? You know, really what we addressed and, and we spent a lot of time in the off season, obviously I was new. So flying around and, and, and meeting the guys in the off season in November, December, January, I didn't want, you know, the first time them to meet me face to face for the most part, I didn't want that to be in spring training. So, you know, we, we had already, you know, had some meetings, we'd had some dinners, I'd sit, worked out with some of the guys or watch them work out. So uh, at least like on my end, I, I, I thought it was pretty, pretty smooth. As far as, you know, our, our non-negotiables, you know, it was, you know, to be yourself. I think that that's critical and we want to be an active group. And, and, and what does that mean? You know, that, that means, you know, doing the best we can to, to stay healthy and stay in shape. I want to be an active group, expect the guys to be in the weight room each and every day, um, you know, lifting, running, taking care of their bodies. Uh, we talked about the importance of, you know, it's a long season, the importance of how we eat, how we hydrate, and, and, and how we stretch, and all those those details that, that add up over time. So I think, like, the, the, the end of the day, if we're looking for, you know, we want guys to be competitive, ultra-competitive, um, we're looking for guys to be tough. Uh, we're going to get beat up in this game a lot. And the, the more physical we are, uh, the harder we push ourselves physically and mentally. I think like that, 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 that builds character and builds toughness, you know, for later down the road. So, so those are some of the things that we emphasize. Obviously, you know, the importance of, you know, throwing the ball over the plate, attacking the zone, managing the zone, um, you know, from, from the, the hitter's point of view, being able to get on base, certainly value that and the importance of playing good defense. How, how good can we, we play an advanced game of catch? Can we catch the ball and throw the ball to the right bases? Um, you know, in general, th- those are the things that we kind of discussed. All right, finally, Jace, I know you're a huge Chiefs fan. you got to celebrate a, a Super Bowl this past football season. Have you in any way, shape, or form tried to lure Pat Mahomes uh, off the gridiron <laughs> to, the, to the San Diego Padres organization? You know, I, I think it's important for Patrick to continue to work on his game. So I've not, <laughs> I have not bothered him. I want to make sure him, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, the crew is good to go. So I, I have not uh, messed with Patrick at all. 